And good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages. Welcome to Living on a Thin Line with Tony Vizic. I am the Tony Vizic of whom I speak. Hold on while I turn on YouTube. We want our YouTube uh, uh, followers to be able to follow. Um, we come to you every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Well, six days a week. We are off on Saturdays. We are your daily distraction from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. We come to you on three platforms, uno, dos, tres, comedyschoolsradionetwork.com, where you can simply listen in and enjoy, YouTube on Comedy Schools, and right here on Facebook Live. Uh, We are not on Parler or uh, any other, um, uh, our Twitter. We're not on on Twitter or Parler, so uh, maybe we're missing out. Maybe we're now living on an island amongst ourselves. Who knows? It is a Monday, uh, Monday fun day. Um, Monday's not a day off for me. Uh, Sunday oftentimes is a day off for me. Yesterday, it was not a day off for me because yesterday, yesterday when I was young, yesterday um, we had the, um, excuse me, salami. Uh, We had the Class Clowns Comedy Showcase at uh, the newest and hottest and most fun, friendly club in the Valley of the Sun or anywhere in my estimation, JP's Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com. Uh, we had the Class Clowns Comedy Showcase. We had a uh, we had a COVID full house. So what does that mean? Combination of the comics and the audience brought us up to close to the allowable amount, the safe amount of people to have in an indoor space. There was safe social distance seating. Everybody minded their manners and had fun. Everybody minded their manners and had fun. Everybody wore masks and we're walking through the room and we had a great time. It was probably one of the best shows we put on in I don't know how long. It was just a good time. I think uh, the desire to have some sort of fun, have some sort of entertainment, have some sort of release is so strong within a certain segment of the population. I am in that segment that uh, the possibility of being able to do something like we did tonight was exhilarating for both the performers and the audience. So it was a great show and we had a wonderful time. Um, We're going to continue to do our free introductory workshop at JP's Comedy Club tonight at 7.30 p.m. And then tomorrow at 6 p.m. we'll do one on Zoom. Uh, What I'm not going to do this year um, is have a a big Thanksgiving celebration or Christmas celebration or be going to any sort of holiday parties. Um, It's just just too risky and weird. I was going to go to my brother and my daughter, but uh, they have travel restrictions there. Now, keep in mind, they're not draconian. Uh, Nobody with... uh, 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 you know, face shields and helmets are going to knock you to the ground. But uh, they have travel re- restrictions where they ask that if you're traveling from one state to California or, drive, or traveling from Southern California to Northern California, I think that you self-quarantine for 14 days. So if I'm there for five days, visit my brother and my daughter, and first I have to call, uh, and then I have to be back home to Arizona, but I'm going to self-quarantine. You get the math here. It doesn't work. And I don't want to be a spreader of this. So once again, like many people, like many of my good friends, um, we're doing the best we can to uh, thrive and survive during the most unusual of circumstances. I'm a little upset that we're still here now. 
I'm a little upset that we're going into the holiday season and we're still seeing this uh, dramatic and dangerous increase in cases and hospitalizations and, uh, uh, God help us, deaths. I'm a little upset. And I think a lot of us are a little upset. I think a lot of us who uh, bought in said, okay, we're going to practice this. And we didn't grouse. And we did it the best we could. Are a little upset with those who didn't. I'm a little upset with people. And it's a hoax. I don't care. I wear no mask. The mask is just a way to control you. It's the government. It's the government trying to control you. I'm a little upset with the federal government's total lack of planning or responsibility. I'm a little upset that the current president, look, it changes. Okay? I wasn't happy when Ronald Reagan got elected. Okay? I wasn't happy when George W. Bush got elected. I wasn't happy when George H.W. Bush got elected. I wasn't happy when Donald Trump was elected. But I also wanted all of them to succeed because I wanted the country to thrive because these are the times I live in. We are going to be a part of someone's history 100 years from now. They're going to read about us. Just like we read about people from 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 2,000 years ago, and we can tisk tisk and pull our chins and go, what were they thinking? And that's what they're going to say about us. They're going to say we politicized the disease. We allowed idiotic ideology to put us where we are now. This could have been much more contained. This could have been much more controlled. The guy in the White House right now isn't even coming out and talking about it. All he's going is, I won the election. He didn't win the election. He didn't win it. He didn't win. So I'm uh, more than a little upset that my Thanksgiving will be reduced to some sort of Zoom situation. I'm more than a little upset that my Christmas will be reduced to some sort of Zoom situation. I'm more than a little upset that I uh, live in a state that keeps changing its rules and constantly, or it doesn't, you know, or, 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 or their rules are half-assed, you know, and we got to figure them out day by day as we go along. You know, but we find a way to do it. We find a way to do it. We find a way to do it and continue on and grow. We find a way to uh, do it, continue on and grow. The guy who's not president yet is doing more than the guy who's president. And yes, what we're seeing from Moderna right now with their vaccine, which is part of uh, Operation Warp Speed, credit has to be given there. Not, not, not necessarily with Pfizer, with Pfizer, which was not necessarily part of Operation Warp Speed. But now we've got uh, two vaccines. One that is shown to be 90% effective, but it's got to be freeze-dried like Folgers coffee. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Or we got one that you're just going to be able to shoot up like you're hanging out in an opium den. So we're going to get through this. By next year, this time, this will be in our rearview mirror. It will be. We'll be back to go. You know, I got both the Los Angeles Clippers and the Phoenix Suns calling me See about buying season tickets or game packages right now uh, for the NBA season starting in December. Well, it's looking like there's not going to be able to be any large gatherings of people in December. You know, one of my favorite things to do is go to NBA games, certain rock concerts, travel with my wife. We like to go to Los Angeles. We like to go to New York. We like to go down further deeper into southern Arizona. 
We like to get around. We like to spend a lot of time with our family and friends, go out to restaurants. We're not hanging out in any after-hour joints. We're not, uh, we're not hanging out in any place where people are wearing berets and sunglasses and smoking cigarettes like this and going, you see, man, it is the problem with the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. We're not doing any of that, but we like to go out and do stuff. Like you do, but we can't do it right now. And uh, let's see, uh, Paul Whitney says, the Suns uh, haven't had a large gathering in a long time. They should be okay. <laughs> but they were 8-0 in the bubble. Maybe that's the, uh, uh, the Phoenix Suns won eight games in a row uh, during the uh, bubble season, uh, bubble half season that the NBA just had. So I don't know what the NBA is going to do. Uh, Hats off to the Arizona Cardinals with a dramatic Hail Mary, the kind of stuff. This is the stuff that keeps you watching football. This is the kind of stuff that even when you're in your 60s and everybody you're watching is in their 20s and, and you're old enough to be their grandparents and you don't really have any, that sort of connection we have when a young guy where you're kind of living through them, you know? And I knew guys that played in the NFL and I knew guys that played college ball, you know? Uh, but now they're like people who you don't really want to talk to because they're in their 20s and annoying um, but that's the kind of stuff that keeps you going back and watching. Hats off to uh, uh, Kyle Murray and, uh, and the Arizona Cardinals for that dramatic win. And hats off to the Phoenix Suns as they continue on with their, um, uh, their push to be uh, a contender again in the incredibly strong NBA West. And by the way, Paul Whitney pointed out that I have a, uh, what's the guy's name, Obrey Jr.? Andre, is it Andre Obrey Jr.? Huh? Obrey? Andre Obrey Jr.? Uh, bobblehead. When, when I got the bobblehead, when we rescued the bobblehead, he was a member of the Phoenix Suns and he's just been traded. So Paul Whitney's trying to blame that on me. And Paul, uh, Paul that's, that's just, that's horse hockey. In case kids are watching the show, we'll call it horse hockey. Horse hockey! Me rescuing that bobblehead had nothing to do with the Phoenix Suns trading that guy. And for you to say that is just wrong. It's just wrong. Um, what else can I tell you? What else is going on today? Uh, uh, not blame. I uh, see Paul Whitney's now fanning the flames. You know what, Paul? This will be like something would be on parlor. Okay, not blame. There's just some conspiracy. Conspiracy. Um, well, you know what? Um, I think the Illuminati had something to do with it. And the Trilateral Commission. And... Uh, 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 Whoever the Masons, Masons, Trilateral Commission, and Illuminati, they all got together at the G7 and went, whenever Visick rescues a bobblehead, and that bobblehead is currently a part of an organization, we will see that they are no longer a part of that organization. That might be the conspiracy. The uh, other fun thing that's going on is for a long time, uh, uh, people like me were called uh, libtards and snowflakes. Libtard and snowflake. They say the news I watch is fake. I'm a lib tart and snowflake. And now, uh, once the uh, giant tech companies, Twitter and Facebook, which didn't start out to be giant tech companies, just some weird dudes uh, figuring out how to uh, build something and put it out there and had people joining it, um, have decided to take some responsibility by taking out, taking totally false uh, information, fabrications uh, off of their platforms. A whole new one is formed called Parlor. 
in all the conservatives, not all the conservatives, not all the Republicans, because a lot of conservatives and Republicans are so glad that that segment and that wing of uh, the Republican Party is being uh, uh, finally shown for being what it is. Hell, if you watch MSNBC, half the people on it, people go, that's a liberal network. Half of them are Republicans. Morning Joe, he's a Republican. The woman in the afternoon, what's her name that we watch? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, she's a, half of them are Republicans. They're so glad that this wing, so, but what are, what are all the, uh, the uh, hardcore Trumpers doing? They're joining Parler. So here's the plan. We want to get the reactionaries off of Facebook, shove them into Parler, eventually kick them out of the Parler, and have them live in the basement they deserve. From Facebook to Pollard to the basement. Whitney says, yeah, they totally agree with me over there. QAnon is looking into it too. Yeah, see, that's it. Queefanon, the whole, uh, the whole lunatic. You know, if you put a bunch of dots on a blank sheet of paper, you can ev- eventually find a way to connect all those dots, but you can find about 100 different ways to connect those dots. That's the problem. People go, connect the dots. Do your research. Look at a YouTube video. Uh, but we're always expecting something bad to happen, aren't we? We just are. And sometimes bad things happen. That's the whole thing with having a government and an educated population that is involved and concerned and wants to look out for its fellow citizens is that when the unexpected problem happens, we can solve the problem. But we've always had it in the But it is, we know how good we've got it. Even during the pandemic, we know how good we've got it. We know that working class people live better than the kings and queens of old working class poor people live better than the kings and queens of old you know why because the kings and queens of old didn't have central heating they didn't have central air they didn't have vehicles to be able to travel across vast terrains they didn't have running water They didn't have SpongeBob SquarePants. And by the way, uh, I've never done a survey yet, but I'm willing to bet that everyone who watches the show is a fine... You know, the world is really broken down. Uh, uh, the liberal side of things, not the world, is broken down into two types. Those who think SpongeBob SquarePants is the greatest show in the history of the planet, and those who go, oh, that show is terrible. So I'm on the pro-SpongeBob side of things. Uh, but there are liberals, conservatives, they don't care about Spongebob. It's a cartoon. I don't know. It's a cartoon about someone eating babies in the basement? Because if not, I ain't watching it. <laughs> Nicole Wallace. Thank you. Thank you, Tina and Mike. Nicole Wallace is the woman who uh, worked in the Bush White House, who is now uh, has her own show on MSNBC. Um, so... Conservatives don't care about SpongeBob, or they like it or don't like it. Liberals, we either love it or we hate it. Two types of liberals. Two types. And I'm of the fun liberal type. Let's have some fun. You know, there's a lot of things that people like to do that I can't or won't do anymore. Okay? But I'm not going to begrudge them being able to do it. You know, I can't drink a quart of Jack Daniels and go, now let's go get in some trouble. Hey, look, Jim Perry has joined us. He's waking up from his second nap. So uh, Jim Perry uh, did a great job last night. He hosted 
He hosted uh, last night's uh, Class Clown Show, and it was such a good show. Mikhail Bullwinkle just joined the uh, podcast. Hello, Mikhail. Uh, Mikhail did a great job, a stunningly good job on the show last night. A lot of people who saw the show we did last night, I'm off the SpongeBob liberal queefing on thing now. I'm back to talking about the comedy show last night. Uh, a lot of people who were leaving last night said that that was, and a lot of them are who came out are diehard uh, class clowns, comedyschools.com supporters. People have seen a lot of our shows. Um, we're saying it was uh, the best show they've seen or the best show they've seen in a long time. And I predict, because of the vibe, I predict because of the energy surrounding ComedySchools.com right now, both in our Zoom. Our Zoom show Friday was fantastic as well. All the energy behind uh, what we've done with Zoom, so we're making for creative people who uh, can't or won't. And by the way, I respect their decisions. Go out into public or don't live near us, but still want to be a part of. So they're part of Zoom. And then those who are live in person are able to be part of the live in person thing, that these shows just can get better and greater because their commitment to creativity is just absolutely astounding. Their commitment to bring in some sort of joy and fun to uh, whoever wishes to engage is just astounding. The work they put into it is just great. So if I was wearing a hat, my hat would be off to everybody who was on the show Sunday, everybody who was on the show Friday. Uh, to uh, whoever invented the internet so that we can do this, whoever invented Zoom, and of course, Jim Perry for inventing JP's Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com. By the way, a great uh, performer there this weekend, George Cantor. We're able, even though we're a small club and even though we can't seat very many people right now, uh, we're able to get some really high quality performers that usually work much larger venues. Uh, one of them, of course, being George Cantor. Uh, George Cantor has uh, been a professional comic for decades, either as a headliner or opening for some of the biggest acts in the world, in Las Vegas and throughout the world. He's going to be at JP's Comedy Club this weekend. One show Thursday, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, 7 and 9 p.m. I'll take it's $15. Um, if you want to see something great that you normally don't get to see in a small, intimate club, then... Hop on down to JP's this weekend. What have I got going here? Uh, uh, that's right. He's Frank. Or George is Frank Caliando's opening act currently, but he's done a lot of other things too. Uh, so uh, you'll be able to see him in a small, intimate setting. Normally, you're going to see him in a room with 500 to 5,000 people. Um, <laughs> Paul Whitney. All right, Paul Whitney's causing trouble today, Shirley. I'm going to point that out. Uh, he just put up, he posted, uh, sounds like somebody is passively asking for a SpongeBob bobblehead for Christmas. I'm not passively asking. I am asking. That's what I want for Christmas. What do, dear Santa, here's what I would like for Christmas. I'd like a SpongeBob and a Patrick bobblehead. No, he, no, he did. Paul, Paul, you know, you got to know Paul Whitney, okay? Paul Whitney's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a good guy, and he's a funny guy. And his stuff that he does with his uh, Man With Too Many Action Figures show, which will be on YouTube soon and possibly will carry it on our platforms, is just absolutely hilarious. But inside there is a deep well of rage and anger. <laughs> and it comes out as he uh, attacks me about bubbleheads. Uh, let's see what else we got going here. Uh, uh, DJ Payne says, I have one bobblehead, Michael Vick. No, you don't, DJ. 
because you're giving it to me. Um, anyway, uh, what do I want to talk about? How much time do I have left? What time is it? Ten minutes. Okay. I was talking earlier about uh, what forms uh, things. Um, uh, we've uh, recommended a book or two uh, recently. Uh, I want to bring back to this. This is a slow death comic. Remember earlier I was talking about how Americans uh, were always waiting for something terrible to happen because we know how good we've got it and we feel guilty about it. Okay. This is slow death. Slow death was an underground comic from the early 70s that uh, was probably one of the grimmest things up to that time ever uh, created. It was a forerunner of the graphic novels, even though they were short stories. Uh, there were characters that covered, uh, car carried through. Its story of post-apocalyptic madness, of breakdowns in society, of uh, grim betrayal, uh, accompanied by just some stunning artwork, and primarily, uh, primarily uh, the work of Richard Corbin, who was one of my favorites, uh, was just stunning. So, uh, by the way, I do not recommend reading these post-apocalyptic tales of absolute uh, post-apocalyptic horror in a uh, uh, unrestrained society. I don't recommend reading them while you're on mescaline, but if you want to check them out, they are uh, an important part of uh, the American uh, literary landscape, and I mean that. All right, looks like people want to talk to... Um, I want to talk more about this bobblehead stuff here. So Doug, DJ Payne says it's attached to a trophy. Sorry. What did you get a trophy for, DJ? Uh, Shelly Austin thinks this whole thing's funny. Jim Perry says, the sponge caused me to have two teenage boys. Ha! So that's now a new conspiracy that we have to look at. We have to connect the dots. Maybe we should go on parlor and find out. Did people watching SpongeBob decide his birth control to use the sponge and the sponge not being totally effective, like 60% effective, lead to an explosion in our population and therefore leading to the world being overpopulated. SpongeBob doesn't have a neck. He would be a bobble body. That's what Angela Fox says. I guess he would. Now do you think about it, SpongeBob does not have a neck. He does not. But man, does he have personality. He has walk personality, talk personality, smile. So um, a, lot of, a lot of SpongeBob and Bobblehead talk going on today. Uh, I did show you that comic, uh, Slow Death Comics. Check them out. Uh, pretty freaky, pretty weird. Uh, I am wearing an L.A. Clippers uh, T-shirt from last season. Every year, someone, uh, usually my wonderful wife, uh, used to be maybe my daughter, will get me my new L.A. Clippers shirt. I guess I'll be having to get a new one soon since the new season is starting in December. Will we be able to watch Will it be in the bubble? I have no idea. I want to get to an artist real, uh, real quick to recommend to you before we wrap up, because I promised I would. This is Marvin Gaye Live. Marvin Gaye Live. This is an incredible album. It is him performing, uh, and I'll tell you where he was performing. Uh, da -da 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 -da, does it say here? Um, and, and, uh, I don't see where. Uh, anyway, it's him live, all right, with an incredible horn section, backup vocals. Uh, there's Trouble Man, Inner City Blues, Distant Lover, Jan, I'll Be Doggone, Can I Get a Witness, You're a Wonderful One, Stubborn Kind of Fellow, How Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You. Now, let's get it on, what's going on? So, uh, Marvin Gaye was such an important part of the 1960s soundtrack. 
And when I say the 1960 soundtrack, the music that came out of car radios, transistor radios, wafted out of windows, was on your television throughout the 60s. Marvin Gaye was there the entire time. One of Barry Gordy's stars, a uh, king at Motown, uh, he was stunningly good, stunningly good. Um, what's not on here, of course, is Sexual Healing, which was another great tune by him. You know, when you're a kid and you're watching people like Marvin Gaye and The Temptations and The Rolling Stones and The Beatles on television, you think, man, they made it, Valhalla. That is the dream. You get there and everything will be okay. Not so for Mr. Gay. Not so for Marvin Gay. As uh, the music changed in the 60s from the kind of fun, upbeat pop stuff that was coming out of Motown, uh, Marvin Gay more and more was finding himself in uh, the background of, uh, uh, of pop royalty. Uh, songs, although songs like... Uh, uh, how Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You would live on forever. Okay? Songs like You're a Wonderful One or Can I Get a Witness. By the way, all three of those songs were written by Eddie Holland, Lamont Dozer, and Brian Holland. Eddie Holland, Lamont Dozer, and Brian Holland, uh, who wrote, I think, 10 of the Supremes hits, one of the greatest songwriting uh, trios in the history of American songwriting, right up there in my mind's eye, with uh, anything that was done out of Tin Pan Alley, right up there with anything that was done by uh, Lennon and McCartney, just stunningly weak in how much they contributed to uh, some of the great stuff in America. So those type of songs were no longer of interest to Marvin Gaye, plus Marvin Gaye began to succumb to what many people succumbed to uh, during that libertine era. Um, drugs began to take their toll on his life took a toll on his life drastically. He still was able to create for quite some time. Uh, sexual he healing, let's get it on. And of course, his anthem that is better than any 100 songs, what's going on. Unfortunately, drugs, drug use, bad business dealings led to him probably losing his, most of his fortune, uh, being alienated from the very people that he created with. Uh, he found himself living with his mother and father in Los Angeles, uh, continuing using drugs, threatened his father, and eventually was killed by his own father. Um, but we're not going to dwell on that. We're going to dwell on is the wonderful music that he created for us. So many of those guys, so many of those guys. Uh, our recommendation is going to be, I want to get uh, something fun there. Let's go with uh, how sweet it is to be loved by you. Now, what were you doing? What's going on? What was that? Okay. Okay, so we're going to go with something that was from his fun earlier period. Two distinct periods in Marvin Gaye's creative career. Fun, upbeat love songs during the uh, classic Motown era, and then uh, strong, deep songs, some of the great political messages later on. You want to check out all of his stuff. Revisit Marvin Gaye. Uh, let's see what else I got here real quick. Uh... Let's see, Michael Bullwinkle says, at least you were sponge-worthy. Ha, ha, ah, ah, from the Seinfeld show. Sponge-worthy. All right, okay, all right. You guys have been great today, man. I've had fun talking to all of you. Uh, go listen to Marvin Gaye. Look up the underground comics in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, then you'll understand me. Uh, and we're going to be back tomorrow with more fun, okay? Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, if you want to see me live tonight and you're in town, boom.
Show up at JP's Comedy Club at 7.30. I will be there. You've been watching Living on a Thin Line. Bye-bye. What's the head shake?